sweet sound to God's ears. To giving Him glory, to giving Him honor and praise in Him. As I was standing there, He told me two things. He said, just surrender everything. Surrender and give it to me because that's where your peace lies. That's where my glory shines. When we surrender ourselves. I know there's a lot of people in here today that they're holding on to that one thing or those two things, including myself. It's like the rich young ruler. Jesus told him to come and follow me, but he was not willing to lay everything down at Jesus' feet. Lay it down today. Surrender yourself. This position that we're raising our hands means surrender. If we're going to raise our hands in this place, if we're going to worship and honor and glorify Him, and we're standing with our hands up towards the heaven, then we need to surrender ourselves. Surrender everything we have. Don't let our minds, our brains, our possessions, our thoughts hold us back from surrendering to the Almighty God. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Father. See, the power and the strength lies in our Lord. What he was showing me earlier, I did a message on this about 10 years ago. And there's a word that means rise, means raised. But it actually means when you crush those buildings, when everything implodes down and falls to the earth. God wants to rise everything that is an obstacle in our way. That the power and the glory. He has no power over that piano. He has no power over these voices. He has no power over these instruments. He has no power on your life. He will raise those obstacles to the ground so we can praise Him and glorify Him. That we can be raised up in His glory. He will crush all the obstacles that are in your way. So he can raise you up to see his glory. Praise you, Father. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just ask that you would just have your way in here today. That we may just set aside all of the earthly things, our hearts, our thoughts, our possessions. We let you have full control everything that we do today and here and outside of these walls we may glorify you in your name father that we are just conduits that we are just disciples to spread your mighty word father god but as you through the holy spirit work within us and dwell on the inside of us to lead and guide our paths to place our hands where they are supposed to be placed to move our feet where they're supposed to be moved we thank you father Enter in, Father. Enter in, Father. Lord, I'm going to say this right now before church instead of at the end. If there's anyone in here right now that does not know the feeling of surrender, does not know the Holy Spirit that can dwell on the inside of you, today, this moment, right now, is an appointed time. Surrender yourself to God right now. Surrender yourself to Him. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter where you're at, no matter how much you've got the Bible rememorized, it doesn't matter. Surrender yourself. Give your life to Him because He gave His life for you. So come, surrender yourself. Ask Him to enter in. Ask the Holy Spirit to stir the gifts up that are on the inside of you right now. Holy Spirit, just come. Just come, Holy Spirit. Praise you, Father. 
forward to your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. That's good. Thank you all. Thank you all. All right. So everybody knows that we're going to transition here a little bit, but everybody knows that this is first Sunday of every month we love to honor and glorify God with the gifts that he's given us and pray over our ties that he would place his hands upon those ties and and direct that in the direction he would like to do that and James Welch little be announced to him our next communicator at N3C is going to come up here and briefly speak on our tithe and pray over him for you go ahead James all right so whoa a little hot there all right yeah go ahead have a seat so Again, James Welch, thank you for that. Uh, we'll see if you clap afterwards, but that's a different story. Um, so anyway, I, I want to address two groups of people here. So I want to address those that are not currently tithing, and I want to address those that are tithing. So if my math is right, I think I'm going to cover everyone in this group. So, um, so anyway, but just a couple quick little stories. So for uh, Sharon and I, we decided to start tithing, I don't know, it was five, six, seven years ago, somewhere around there. You know, it was something that, to be honest, growing up, it was, tithing was kind of a, it was a topic we discussed a lot, but it was always kind of the, well, when we get more money, we'll tithe, right? Like, it was always, we'll do it later. And so, for Sharon and I, it was it was a huge leap of faith for us. And so, you know, we really wanted to press more into God's promises, and we wanted to press more into what God had for us. So we decided again to start tithing. So just a quick little story. So about the same time, uh, Pastor Darren had a message on victorious living. And we decided afterwards, you know, we're not living victoriously. We had some dreams and some passions that we really wanted to pursue, and we hadn't been doing that. So we decided to go buy some German Shepherd dogs. We always wanted to raise some German Shepherds and to breed them and, and sell the puppies. So we bought four puppies with the intent of, of getting into the business. So fast forward to 2020, and this is actually not about COVID, believe it or not. So uh, when I say 2020, I think that's where everyone's mind goes. But so 2020, February 2020, Sharon got laid off. Um, and so, you know, we were trying to decide what to do. She got a severance package. And we really decided that we wanted her, because we've got a bunch of grandkids, we decided we wanted her not to go back to work and be able to help with the grandkids. And it just so happened in God's perfect timing that when her severance ran out, our first litter of puppies was ready to be sold. And that litter of puppies brought in exactly what we needed for our tithe. And so, you know, it was one of those that I encourage those of you, and this is just one of many stories. Uh, Sharon and I, we, I could talk the whole rest of the hour if I wanted on, on miracles that God has done in our life of the perfect timing. He knows exactly what we needed and he knows exactly when we need it. And so, you know, I just encourage those of you that are not currently tithing, take that, take that step, take that leap of faith. Uh, it says in the Bible that he will not only provide for us, but he will overflow so our barns can't even store it. So I recommend that you, you take that leap of faith. It's scary, but do it. Um, and for those of you that are tithing, so this is a little bit of a, sometimes I tell on myself. So I always figure that if, you know, I've gone through it, someone else has probably gone through it or going through it. So, so we were tithing, um, 
Sheridan and I uh, helped teach the rooted class. So some of those of you know that. Yay, there you go. So anyway, <laughs> so one of the sections is on tithing. And so, uh, you know, I was prepping for it the week before and really praying to God about what we should talk about. And God asked me a question. He said, why are you continuing to tithe? And uh, as Pastor Darren's told us before, when God asks you a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. So he knew the answer. I had to figure out the answer, right? So I really, I, I started thinking a lot about that and praying about it. And it was kind of interesting. There's a, one of the verses that we use for that section in, in Rooted is in Second Corinthians 9. And it's about the cheerful giver. But I want to read kind of the first part here. So it says, and again, this is 2 Corinthians 9, uh, starting in verse 6. It says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. And I'm going to stop there because that, I don't know if any of you have had that where you read a verse, and it just smacks you, right? Like, that's it. So, you know, what I really, testing my heart, is I was continuing to give and to tithe really pretty reluctantly. Um, I was kind of, just being honest, kind of that spoiled little kid when you tell him go clean the room or eat that or whatever. You know, fine, I'll do it, but I'm not going to like it, right? So I was kind of, that was kind of my attitude, was I'm going to do it, but... You know, every time I'd send in the money, I was always like, man, I'm, I could have used that money to pay this bill, or I could have done something with that. or And I wasn't doing it for the right reasons. And God very clearly, you know, in fact, it got to the point where it was, a, it was basically, it was just a religious duty. You know, it was like, I've got to give, uh, was kind of my attitude. And God very clearly told me, he's like, I do not want your reluctant compliance. I want your heart. And so... It really, it, it kind of changed me very quickly. You know, sometimes God changes you over time. That one was pretty instantaneous for me, so which was good. Uh, so it was good. But it was awesome because now it went from I've got to give to I get to give. You know, and I get an opportunity to partner with God, and I get an opportunity to share, and I get an opportunity to honor Him and to uh, be obedient. So, you know, so for those of you that are that do tithe, I recommend you just evaluate, you know, kind of why you're doing that. And I want to I want to read the rest of the verse because I think it's a, an amazing verse. But so again, remember this: a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the ones who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. And again, that's really the key, right? It's not so much just meeting our needs, but helping meet the needs of others around. So, okay. So anyway, I'd like to go ahead and pray and we will get on here to the main show. So, all right. Father, just thank you so much for your provision and for your blessings. We know that everything we have is because of you. It's not because of us. And so, Father, we just, we're so thankful for an opportunity to give back and to partner with you. And Father, for those that are not currently tithing, that have fear, may have some apprehension, I just pray that that fear just dissolve. I just pray that you would just let them know that your promises are true and they're yes and amen. 
And Father, I just pray right now for the finances in our church. I pray that you would bless each of these families. And I would just pray that we would just be a church that is generous in giving. And Father, I just pray this in your name. It's going to be kind of hard to follow up there. There's three messages in five minutes, and I got 45 minutes to give you one. But uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Greg Abel. I am one of the pastors here on staff here at N3C. So I know we have some new faces here. Uh, so I thought I'd just go ahead and, and introduce myself to you guys. Pastor Darren asked me a, oh, a week or so ago if uh, if I would come up here and and uh, take this week to, to minister and, and talk to you all. So it was an honor and a blessing uh, to do so. Uh, as always, to get up here and to stand up here and the, the, the honoring that, that God gives us the opportunities to be places and do the things that, uh, He allows us to do even if you don't think you can do it or don't think you're capable of doing it. You know, God, God's hands in the middle of it and He will, uh, make sure that you can get through what He gives you to get through. He said He, that you won't, uh, uh, be placed in your lap anything that you can't handle through Him. So, this is uh, truly an honor and a blessing to do this with you guys. This is kind of unusual for me. This is actually the first time I've stood down here, so I'll try to make Lindsay not work her bicep out a little bit. Usually when I minister, I'm from that end to that end, but now I only got this carpet, so I'm going to shorten it down about four feet for you, so you can only just move back and forth a little bit. So I just want to welcome everybody here. I want to welcome Facebook, our 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 California family and church. We hope you enjoy today and uh, just hope that you receive some blessing out of it. So let's get rolling and let's get started. So I'm going to start as I normally kind of do. I'm going to ask you all a question real quick. And if you don't answer yes to this, then I would like to sit down after church with you and figure out how you got it figured out. So here's my question. Have you ever felt down in the dumps or felt down in yourself and life just kind of bland? Have you ever felt that way? If you haven't, raise your hand. All right. Life can just kind of get at you, right? Have you ever just felt down in the dumps? Have you ever just felt off a little bit? Has life just kind of twisted you around just a little bit and... And not really getting a hold of, not really just getting a hold. Things aren't, aren't kicking right. You know, things aren't, sometimes we'll put the, the cart before the horse or, and it, and it sometimes it just seems like no matter what you try or no matter what you do or, or, or think or, or try to get done or try to get accomplished, there's just something there that's, that kind of stands in your way. That, that, that there's just a feeling of, of being distracted for some reason or, you know, we, we kind of get in our own way a lot of the times. But sometimes life just carries on and starts doing some of this stuff that we don't recognize the reasons why. We don't recognize why we're going through some of the things we're going through or seeing some of the things that we're, that we're going through. We're just, we're just kind of stuck in this rut a little bit. We all, we, and we can't pinpoint it. That's what, I guess for me, that's kind of what's frustrating for me. Like I, I can't pinpoint some of the feelings that I'm feeling right now, Lord. So I can't, I can't get a hold of why this is happening or what this is doing in our, in our lives. And we have so many examples of doing that. You know, and then 
once life starts consuming you a little bit, once it starts taking over you and, and, and it's, it's soft and quiet sometimes, like you don't recognize some of the things that we do in order to get in the position that we're in. Sometimes it's, it just starts to happen and we just don't understand it. And, and as it starts rolling, as it starts going on, as some things don't get unfolded to you, we start looking inwardly and start looking at, at the things that, man, what am I doing wrong? I'm messing up my marriage. I'm not saying the right things. You know, man, I'm quick to anger now. Why am I doing this? You know, my behavior is not normal. I start feeling shame and I start feeling guilt because we're concentrating and looking at everything that's happening in our lives. Y'all with me? I'm beating you up right away, but I'll make it happy for you before you leave. But we just get in those places like that. We just start feeling guilty and unworthy and angry and feeling feeling unwanted sometimes. And then it even snowballs in this. I'm doing so many things wrong that how can somebody love me? Man, all these things just torment us. All these things just coming at us. All these earthly things. And it's all the trick of, of the enemy, right? We know that deep down. But why? But why, God? Why am I feeling this way? Even not feeling loved at times. Give me that answer, God. Let me fix it. So today, I prayed. I've, I've been praying For quite a while, both personally and for you, for this message today. So today I'm praying to help with the word of God that I've got some answers that we can get out of this rut that sometimes we occasionally get in. I pray that none of us are in that right now. But you know what? Sometimes life hits us in the face because that's what we can see. That's what we can hear. But we need to direct and tie our attention to the heavenly realm, right? But that's easier said than done when you're in the middle of it. Jesus made it look easy to go through the storm to get to the other side, but the disciples questioned if they could. It's not so easy, is it? It's kind of hard sometimes. So I, hopefully I, get, I can give you, I'm going to give you three things, and these are all closely, closely related. And I pray right now, I ask right now, one of the biggest things when I was preparing and putting this together, that it would come out clear. That the words that I'm spoken, spoken, that I'm just a vessel and that God can preach and speak those words to you in your own heart. So I pray that clarity will come out in these words. Amen? Amen. So the three things I want to talk to you about, and they're all closely related. And hopefully this, this will really give you a new outlook and pull you out of the, some of the ruts that you're in. And here they are. It's strength, power, and growth. Well, that all kind of seems like the same word, doesn't it? All kind of, they all, they're all related for sure, isn't it? But strength, power, and growth. And I was, when I was praying a while back, I was just asking God a little bit, and I, I wasn't going through all of this stuff, but there was things in my life that I was confused about and didn't have answers to, and I just, I finally just said, God, what, what do you want me to do? I'm willing to do it. I'm right here. Tell me what I need to do. Where do I need to go? How do I gain favor? How do I get relationship with you again? How do I bring some of it? And I I just began to pray. 
And I don't, I, I don't know why I didn't do that several months prior to that because I know it. I knew it was a simple prayer to do it, but sometimes we get so consumed in our own thoughts, our own personalities. Well, I'll get myself out. I can take care of it. I'll do it. It's my responsibility. I got myself in this mess. I'll get myself out. That is a horrible attitude. That's a horrible attitude to have. But sometimes we carry that, especially the men in here, especially that man, there's a pride deal involved that we carry. Well, I did this. Well, I can take care of that. Well, I'll do that. I'll make this happen. I'll have this going. And then pretty soon God's going to say, when am I involved? And that's what he told me. When do I get to get involved? As I was doing those things, see, I was, I was doing so many things and I was just reflecting on some of them a while back. I was doing so many things on my own and some were, which were, I wasn't even recognizing that I wasn't, that I was doing. I didn't even really understand what I was doing. I was, I was working on my own. You know, I was, I was fixing things. I was fixing things that I broke. I was fixing things, you know, both physically and, 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 I felt like family or friends or whatever. I, I was trying to fix it on my own accord, making decisions on my own. I was focusing on the things in my life that it, that it truly affected. I was, I was focusing on the things that were currently affecting my life. And I wasn't focus, focusing on what God truly had for me. See, this is what I was doing. I was focusing on the pressures of life. Instead of the promises of God. Completely forgot about the promises. Or ignore, I didn't forget them, I ignored them. I was focusing all the weight and the pressures and the, and the, and the, and the things that we were carrying and the things that we build up, the filth, the dirt, all the stuff that pertains to this world. I was carrying it on my own, thinking I'm gonna get myself out. And I completely forgot. About the promises that God had given all of us. See, God, one of God's promises, and this is, this is where we'll, we'll start digging into these three things I want to talk about. See, God promises us strength. It says it in His Word. God promises our, us strength. So why do we find ourselves feeling weak instead of strong sometimes? Why do we find ourselves that way? He promises the strength. I know he gives us strength. I know the works and the power of God, but why am I feeling weak? Why am I feeling defeated, pulled down? Why are we in that rut? Why am I staying in that rut? And it says here in Psalms, this is in the New King James Version. I brought my Bible up here just so you know, but I'm not going to open it. (laughs) What? What are you talking about? I've got my scriptures wrote down here and one of the main reasons why I brought it thinking I was going to read out of it. But after I went through all my notes, I've got four different versions of the Bible that I'm going to read to you today. And I only have one Bible (laughs) and I didn't want a stack of Bibles this high and try to remember which one I needed to do. So I talked to Lindsay this morning and she's going to help me out tremendously. So here in Psalms, this is the New King James Version in chapter 43 in verse two, it says this. It says, for you 
And this is, this is the psalmist speaking. You are the God of my strength. Why do you cast me off? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Why do I go off? This, the psalmist is saying this, almost the same thing that I've been feeling for, for months and months and months and couldn't get it figured out. I know you're my strength, God, but why am I feeling oppressed by the enemy? What, what's causing that? What's doing that? Why do I feel like you're casting me off? Why do I feel like you're casting me aside? That word oppression, one of the definitions, there's, there's a couple, two or three in there. One of the definitions, get this, one of the definitions of oppression is mental pressure or distress. Mental pressure or distress. That's what we were carrying. That's what I was carrying. That's what I had my hands on. God, why did you leave me? Why do I feel oppressed? Why? It's because I'm looking at all the pressures of life and not the promises. It's all right there. It's right there. Why do I feel like I'm oppressed by the enemy? And why can I not get out? God, did you forsake me? Did you leave me? No. He says he'll never forsake you, nor will I never leave you. I know all this. I have all this. It's in my heart. But yet, here's what I'm going through. Here's what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm saying. This is what my behavior looks like. This is the anger that I'm carrying. It's because I was blinded by the promises of God. One of my favorite scriptures, and I, I know a couple kids that it's a favorite scripture too. It's a really, really good kid. In fact, he's already preaching. It's one of my favorite scriptures. It's in Philippians 4.13. And this is in the NLT, the New Living Translation. I can do anything through Christ who gives me strength. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. See, there for a handful of months, how I was reading this scripture, it was saying, I can do anything if I have the strength to do it. I can do anything on my own strength. I can do anything because I'm strong. I can do anything because I'm the man of the house. I can do anything that they are supposed to follow me. I can do anything because I'm the boss of my own business. And I left out, I can do anything through Christ who gives me strength. And I believe it, I trust, well, shoot, what's that say on my belt? Don't. I got that scripture on the back of my belt and I was not living it. It's kind of hypocritical. That's another characteristic that sometimes you feel. One of the biggest weights that I've always carried and, and pastors and I have had conversations of some of that stuff. That a lot of these things, when I when I come up here and, and God gives me the opportunity to preach, I've dealt with it or I know people that have dealt with it. And I'll come give the 
word of God, and this is what make, gives me peace. But when I come give the word of God, sometimes I'm giving the word and the correction and the answers to some of this almighty scripture, but I'm not living it myself. Sometimes I'm not doing it myself, but yet I'm telling everyone here, you need to do this. <laughs> that sounds very hypocritical and that weighs on me. But what make, gives me peace is knowing that it's God's word and his promises that tell us what to do. Maybe somebody will get a hold of it. Maybe somebody will get a grasp of what the word of God is saying through the conduit of, of the communicator. And it also works on them as they speak it out loud and tells the truth. God's word does not go void. Sometimes the word that I'm saying or sometimes the direction that he wants me to go isn't for me. Sometimes it's for someone else in here. So is it hypocritical? It's easy to take that hold again and say, I can fix that. I need to change my attitude and my behavior. But you're not going to do it unless you understand the promises of God's word. Amen. Amen. So here's another question right here. Why do we continue to do this? Why do we continue to feel those things? We're battling back and forth. We're pulling the, pulling those things back and forth. And I've already said it before. This is, this is one of the things. I, if you don't get anything out of here today, this is one of the things I want you to remember and to repeat and to meditate on. It's because we are focusing on the pressure and not the promise. We are operating in our own power and our own strength. I've been just briefly and recently here for the last few months. I knew at one point that I had to get corrected spiritually. I knew that I had to repent. I knew that I needed to go back to God. And let him reveal himself to me again. Now, I wasn't completely off. I wasn't mad at God. I hope that this is very, very, it wasn't horrible. It wasn't terrible. I didn't go through any traumatic thing. I just knew that I was just off a little bit and I couldn't put my finger on it. And I just, I just went to him. I just, I just got a hold of him. And he said, when are you going to put me in the middle of the things you're doing? Once I got that revealed to me and once I quit crying through some of those things, I started to really look at myself and what I needed to do and where I needed to go. And I thought, you know what, if I'm doing this, you know, James said it this just a little bit ago. You know what, if I'm going through some of these things, if I'm, if I'm a little bit spiritually dry, you know what, there's someone else is too. Someone else is too. And I was, as I was working some of those things out, I thought, you know, I, Josh and I have been talking quite a bit and, and, uh, and I've just been researching and studying and, and one of the things to relieve stress and pressure is to go to the gym and lift weights. It's, it's proven. It's actually proven fact of going to the gym and exercising or cardio or lifting weights helps relieve pressure and stress. So I started doing that. I started going. I started doing that. I started lifting weights. I've, I've, I've just been dead. Ask my wife. She says that I've been very, very. Can I use the word anal? I just did. 
she didn't say that, but, <laughs> but when I get something or when I dig into something or when I realize a path and a direction that I, I am all in, I am not going to do it halfway. See, I cleaned it up there. And I'll, and I'll, I'll just dive into it to a point of if I miss one thing, if I don't take that one vitamin, if I don't take that, those three ounces of creatine, if I don't sit there and take my two protein drinks, if I don't go walk three miles a day, if I don't, and all this stuff just rolling in my head. But on my internal side, I'm thinking, I'm relieving all this pressure and stress. Now I gotta worry about my regimen of what I'm gonna do physically to get right. But it's better. It, it was going. But here's the thing. As I was into it about month two, I started doing some of this stuff. And what I'd realized, what God had showed me through that, through my, through my, my three mile walks that I would go do, I'd really pray and start meditating on the word. And he showed me, he said, this isn't gonna last unless you, inv- unless you involve me in this too. It's not just spiritual strength. He gives us physical power. He's the one that controls the power, not us. He's the one who gives us the power and the strength to do it. That is sustainable. If we're going to do what we're going to do, and I'm, and I'm, I'm using this just as a, for me to relate to me in the, in the, in the weight room, in this physical, but there's all kinds of stuff. What about your jobs, your marriage, your relationships? Where you go and where do you find, you know, if you're, if you're the boss of your own business, it might look great for a while. It might be doing really, really well. It might be successful. God might be blessing you here and it might be blessing you there. But as soon as God is not in the middle of that business, as soon as God is not in the middle of that marriage, as soon as God is not in the middle of that relationship, you might be sitting there going good right now and eating donuts and drinking coffee. But at one point, it's not going to sustain itself. And I'm not, I'm not speaking bad in, into any of that. I pray that, that every, everything that you all are doing, God is in the middle of it. So I'm not speaking life in the middle of that. The enemy has no control over the power of God. Amen. So I'm not speaking life into it. I'm just giving you examples of what that possibly could look like. Look at our own country. I'm not going to get political because then I'll, then I'll start having to repent again. <laughs> But look at the direction of where our country's going. It's all the way around us. Our schools, our government, everywhere I go, our businesses. We're slowly taking out God in the Pledge of Allegiance. We're slowly taking out prayer in our schools. We're slowly taking out prayers before the government starts meeting together. And what's happening? We're slowly letting him go. We're slowly putting him aside. We're slowly taking him out of what we're doing. And it's not going to sustain itself. That's right. I'm getting there. Get off my notes. (laughs) You're right, Travis. I'm hoping, I'm hoping to get there eventually. I got to hurry actually. But that's where we were at. That's, we're pulling him away. We're taking him out. We're, we're, we're trying to sustain ourselves and our lifestyle in a manner of on my own. 
And God's out of it. I want you all to do something. Stand up. If you can. This, I'm going to give you a little bit of a test. If you can't do it, don't worry about it. You're going to get my point. You're going to, you're going to know what I'm talking about here. For those of you who are in the front row, you're going to have to turn backwards or not participate. Okay. Everybody that has a chair in front of them, I want you to put one finger on the chair. Just put one finger on your chair. All right, now lift one leg. That's a piece of cake, isn't it? That wasn't too bad, was it? Now take your finger away. Stay on that leg. How many of you put your foot down or started wobbling? Okay, go ahead, sit down. I didn't say Simon says. Oh, Simon says sit down. My point is right here is this one finger, one little finger. Now, some of you younger kids, you can do that a little bit better. But as you get older, your balance gets a little bit off. So, But one finger of pressure, one finger right there is maintaining your balance. One finger of the hand of God in your life will maintain your balance. As soon as you take away that finger of God, it's capable. You can do it for a minute or two, but you start shaking. You start wobbling. Your foundation starts falling apart. It's because you're trying to do it on your own. You're trying to do it on your own. Have that solid foundation. It's right there. I probably should have done this at the beginning of my message, but I felt like this was a pretty good place to to put that in there. Like I said before, strength, power, and growth are really, really close together. And to tie tie it it all together and and pull it all together, because they do work off of one another. But there's very, very specific differences in them. And I want to, I'm going to give you the definition of three of them. And these are, these aren't biblical definitions. I just, I pulled these off, uh, from the internet just to see what the, what the worldly definition of what these words mean or what some guy who wrote the, or wrote the dictionary thought it meant. So strength first is the capacity of an object or substance. To withstand great force or pressure. Strength, the capacity of an object or substance. Are we an object? We can withstand great force and pressure. Here's power. Power is the ability to do something or act in a particular way. The capability to direct your behavior or the behavior of others. Power of God. Is he able to correct our behavior? He doesn't need to correct his behavior. But he sure can correct our behavior. That's the power we're talking about. Not our own power. Growth. The process of growing. That seems pretty... I actually looked that up. And that's the very first sentence. 
growth. The process of growing. Well, no kidding. I shouldn't even have wrote that down. Secondly, it's progressive development. Expansion or maturity. So I'm going to put this, I was, as I was thinking about all three of these words and looking at the definition, I kind of wrote a quick paragraph to kind of tie it all, at least it tied it together for me. So this, in those three words in one paragraph, kind of hit home for me. So I wrote this. It says, at times we try to withstand the pressure on our own, on our own strength, or on our own strength thinking we can correct our own behavior and those of others. Power. By thinking and correct... I paused right there and then I can't get my sentence out. Behavior and those of others, by thinking and experiencing is... and thinking our maturity and experiences... Are sufficient enough. Thinking our own maturity, our own experience is sufficient enough. Let me read that again because I just fumbled all over it. We try to withstand the pressure on our own, thinking we can correct our own behavior and those of others. I'm not quite re- ready for the background music if that's on purpose. <laughs> We try to withstand the pressure on our own thinking. We can correct our own behavior and those of others by thinking our maturity and experiences is sufficient enough. We can't operate on our own strength, power, and growth. It will not sustain itself. See, this is where we'll become weak. Both physically and spiritually. And at at some levels, at some points, at some circumstances, that's where I had become. I had become, in my own mind, I had become spiritually weak in certain things. There's other things that I stood strong in. There's other things that I still had knowledge of. I still gathered the wisdom of Christ. But I wasn't hearing it clearly because I was standing on my own strength. I was standing on my own growth. I was physically and spiritually losing my maturity. I was losing my growth because I was standing on my own. See, we rely on our own thoughts, our own decisions, our own behavior. And when we rely on our own behavior, our own self, we eventually become what I talked about earlier. We become unhappy. We became, we become unsustainable. We become unsure of ourselves. We become short and upset in simple things. We, we, we lash out to areas that we wouldn't even recognize before. Our behavior changes, and sometimes our behavior can change, and it's not even recognized. But you know who recognizes it? People that you surround yourself with and God. You have behavioral changes that you may not even recognize for the mere fact that we're forgetting to put God in the middle of what everything we're doing. 
our behavioral changes. And then it rolls into not feeling worthy again. God, I can't do this anymore. God, I don't know which way to turn. God, how can you love me for all the bad things that I've done against you? How can we do those things? And it's a snowball effect. And all it is was the simple fact of God asking me, when are you going to put me into your life? When are you going to put me in the middle of what you're doing? When are you going to look at the promises and not all the things that you were looking at? When are you going to quit looking at all the pressures and start looking at all of my promises that I have for your life? We need to rely on God's strength, power, and growth so we can live a life that he has designed for us. It will always sustain itself. His strength never runs out. His power never runs out. His growth, his maturity for us never, ever runs out. It never quits us. It never leaves us. The Bible says, I should have wrote this down, but the Bible says, even the weakest of saints has assurance God accepts. Let me start over. The Bible says, even the weakest of saints has assurance God accepts them in Christ. Even where we're at, even what we're doing, even what we're going through, even the anger, even the shame, even the guilt, even the unworthiness. God sees the weakest of the saints of worthy enough to stand before Jesus Christ. It's time. It's time to gather the strength of God. It's time to gather the power of God. It's time to grow in maturity of God. So we can withstand those tests. That we can withstand those things that are in front of us. Without confusion. Without having to ask God the reason why. He'll give us the reason why. Because we're standing in His strength, His His power and growth. When you're mature, you learn. Amen? The Bible says that you're not ready. The Bible says that you're not ready to eat solid food. You're drinking milk of the calf. That means you're just starting out. We don't feed a three-month-old hard, solid steak and eggs for breakfast. I don't think. <laughs> Maybe in a blender. You're not ready for that. But there comes a point in time the growth will take place if we stay in Him that we will be able to eat solid food. That we are growing in maturity in order to do the things He's called us to go do and not the things we want to go do. Are you hearing me? We've got to rely on God's strength, power, and growth. Even the weakest of saints has the assurance that God accepts them in Christ. It makes God happy when people come to Him. He rejoices in those things. He loves when He does that. There's another scripture that, that was rolling through my head. And I, again, all I say is the Bible. I'm horrible with numbers. But I can remember what God places on my heart with some of those things. That God rejoices when He accepts them. He says... I love even the enemy that has not come to me, that won't come to me. That his love expands and carries on past that. His love, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, 
It's there. He loves all of us. He has created all of us. We are brothers and sisters in all of us. And that's hard for me personally to wrap my mind around. When someone has wronged me, when someone has done something wrong, when so, when things have happened, when when things of this world starts taking place, and this guy's done that, and, and all the bad things that are happening along this world, God loves them. No matter what, no matter the weakest of saints, God loves them. And Paul actually writes... In 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, it says this. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. Paul wrote that. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And this was a phrase that that really hit me even before this, before I put this together. My grace is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. See, I was in weakness, but I forgot about the grace of God. I was in weakness because I was focusing on the things of this world and my situations and the time that I had spent dwelling on them and the pressures that kept weighing me down and forgot about the grace and mercy of God. Because grace and mercy is the power of God. Grace and mercy is the power of God that is given to us as a free gift if we will accept it. We need to get a hold of it. Grace is all we need, even in our weakest times. My wife gave me this video. I'm going to play a video here, guys, and it's about seven minutes. I know it's long, but it impacted me. I know it will impact you guys in one way or another, maybe differently. This video is about seven minutes long, and it's a whole nother, it made me think anyway, a whole nother outlet, outlet and look at the power and the strength of God's eternal love and who he loves no matter where we're at. And a good portion of this video is about Barabbas. Most of you know, if you don't know, Barabbas was getting crucified right next to Jesus Christ. He was a thief, a murderer. He did a bunch of bad things. He was not living for Christ. And to my knowledge, or I couldn't find that he never did. Even what ended up happening to him at the end. So if, are you ready? Okay. So just want, like I said, apologize for the video, but I think it's going to impact the way we think in another way that we look at our own lives and the lives of others. So go ahead, Lynn. We see the story of Jesus going to the cross and everything seems to kind of be hand in hand. And then there's this one character that seems to interrupt the narrative. His name's Barabbas. We don't even know much about him except that he's a murderer, a leader of an insurrection, a rebel. And why he's even mentioned, sometimes I'm not so sure. It's like, what? What's this about Jesus going to the cross? So in this moment... Pilate thinks, I hold the destinies of these two men in my hand. I know the Jews have a tradition that on a holy day, I will release one of the prisoners on death row. Pilate stands on this audacious stage, who now presents Jesus, son of the living God, versus Barabbas, the thug and rebel. He says, all right, who do you want? This is blasphemy. This is this has gone too far. 
There's no comparison. This is a rightful prisoner, a man who should be on death row. He's a rebel against Rome. He leads a rebellion. He murders people. He's a bad man. He's a thug and he's a crook. He deserves the chains and he deserves the crucifixion. Jesus, what has he done but heal, restore, deliver, set free, open blind eyes, open deaf ears, heal the lame and the leper? What, what has Jesus done? Who do you want? We want Barabbas. Yeah, give us Barabbas. They give us Barabbas. The Roman soldiers come up and they put the key in and they unlock Barabbas from his chains and shackles. And he walks down the platform, welcomed by all of his thug friends. Yeah, the people love me. Yeah, that's right. I don't even know who this Jesus guy is, but all I know is my people love me. There seems to be no conscience of Barabbas. There's no record of him turning to Jesus and saying, I owe you everything now, for you have set me free. No, I don't see any of that in Barabbas. And God knew that. Jesus stood there, silent, for he knew the will of the Father. He said, it's fine, Father. Let him have Barabbas. For Jesus knew that the Father would have to treat Jesus like Barabbas, so he could treat Barabbas like Jesus. Barabbas thought it was the people that set him free. No, 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 no. It was the love of a heavenly Father. Yes, what about 
say, no, son. Let me have it. Let me have your sin. Let me have your pain. No, God, I did it to myself. I deserve it. My marriage won't make it. This is what I deserve. I deserve divorce. I deserve poverty. I deserve sickness. I deserve it all. No. So shame, give me your shame. But God, what if I do it again? I'll still be here. Oh God, I don't want to hurt you. I love you. I, I don't want to do this anymore. Give me your sins. This is all we got. It's all I got. It's all you got. We can play games. We can play church games. We can pretend like some people are better than others and that's why they're blessed. Or we can all come to the honest conclusion that it's God. And it's God alone. The greatest challenge is not your discipline, your devotion, your focus. Your greatest challenge is believing the gospel. Could it be that there's a God with a love so scandalous, so wide, so deep, so vast, I give him my sin. I stand in this empty space of forgiveness and acceptance while Jesus walks off to the cross that I deserve. I see him. I see him walking to the post to be whipped. As I stand a free man, all the attention is turned now. And I feel the love of God saying, go. ourselves free. It's still Jesus. It'll always be Jesus. It'll never stop being the power of Jesus. If his blood is sufficient for your salvation, his blood is sufficient to sustain you through every challenge and every sin and every temptation. Jesus is enough. Amen. I probably could have played that video at the beginning of service and then I didn't have to speak. But that's powerful, amen? Amen. It's powerful. I got one last question for you. Are you going to give it to him? God's blood is sufficient enough. Jesus' blood is sufficient enough. Guys, I want to kind of close this, this message out with you here. I'd read a few other things and through my studies I'd come across some some other stuff and when I was a little bit on this journey a while back and I'd just kind of slowly started jotting down notes and and writing a few things and and just kind of reflecting and checking myself spiritually so I can grow spiritually so I can gain strength that I can grow mature maturity wise in God's word and just really was reflecting and I 
I jotted down some notes and for me it made sense but I was writing some things down for me personally to to just reflect back on or or to maintain my my promises to myself or the promises of God and and some of those things and I I felt like this would be a prayer that I want to give to you guys today as we leave here today I rewrote it a little bit and I edited it a little bit. I took some things out and added some big words to it and all that and, and took some other stuff from some other people. So it's a conglomerate of just kind of a letter that I kind of dedicated to myself, but I rewrote it to, to hopefully it blesses you guys before we get out of here today. So it says this, greatness isn't born from easy days. You have to fight through your bad days to earn your best days. Life isn't always a smooth ride. We face tough times and obstacles that seem insurmountable and hard to overcome. But every setback, every challenge is a stepping stone to our path to success. Embrace it. Paul did most of his life. When you push through those tough days, when you refuse to let setbacks define you, that's when you build strength, resilience, and character. All a purpose of God. See, a diamond, a diamond becomes brilliant after enduring immense pressure, and you are no different. So when you face with when you are faced with these those bad days. View them as opportunities to grow stronger in the Lord. Keep your eyes on the prize. Your best days are awaiting on the other side of perseverance. Trust in God. Stay focused and watch yourself transform into unstoppable force you are meant to be. Your journey is unique and you have the power to turn obstacles into stepping stones. Keep fighting, keep believing, and soon you'll and soon you'll be basking in the glory of God. Stay inspired, stay motivated, strengthen your spirit, and operate under God's power and not your own. So thank you guys. Guys, I love you. I hope you got something out of today. I know this was a reflection of some of my life story, but I know that that I wasn't alone in this. So if it does reflect on you, I, I pray that God's word, none of my words were, they'll fall, fall dead to the earth. God's word will give you life and life more abundantly. So we praise. Thank you guys for spending your time with us today, and I'll turn it over.